This is Paul Schneiderman today on the 27th edition of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. Today is my special guest. I am joined by Seattle broadcast journalist and reporter Chris Daniels. This will only be a 20-minute interview today, probably, so we're going to try to get a lot of topics in, Chris, and kind of keep things moving. A little quick background here. Chris Daniels is a longtime broadcaster at Seattle's King 5 Television. King 5 is a Seattle NBC affiliate. Chris has covered many stories and award-winning journalists, and uh, Chris is very well known for covering the arena story, so I will certainly dive into the arena story a little bit with you, Chris. Chris was born and raised in University Place, Washington, or Tacoma. He attended Washington State University. Chris is, uh, lives in Seattle, married with a daughter. Chris, thank you for coming on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. Paul, thanks for having me. It's good to talk to you as always. Likewise, Chris. I've enjoyed getting to know you over the years, and uh, we'll, we'll try to cram in a quick interview here and hopefully get you back one day. We can talk a little more later. Chris, uh, I just noticed you were back in Washington, D.C. with Chuck Todd, the Meet the Press host. What were you doing in Washington, D.C., hanging out with Chuck Todd, Chris? Yeah, we're, uh, we're ramping up for the midterm elections and sat down with Chuck Todd from, from NBC and Meet the Press, and uh, we're, we're airing those those interviews now. But, uh, yeah, just talking about the midterms, and, you know, it's uh, it, it's been a crazy news cycle, as you know, with, uh, with politics, and, and uh, I don't think it's going to be any different over the next few months. And so, uh, yeah, we look forward to, to rolling that out here. In the in the next uh, several days. I mean, there's no rumor you're going to be taking over Chuck Todd's job, is there, Chris? No, 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 no. Gotcha. Not at all. Not at all. Gotcha, uh, Chris. For, I think the listeners will find your answer to this question interesting. How did you get interested in broadcasting as a young person growing up? Well, uh, that's a great uh, great question. Um, I, I could take you back to uh, the high school uh, days, uh, growing up in university place, but uh, I. Um, I had a, a counselor back in, in high school who said, uh, you know, you, you have this, uh, this place and, uh, have you ever thought about doing something with, uh, you know, radio, uh, or, or television? And, and, uh, I, I hadn't really considered it until that time, uh, growing up at university place, uh, and decided to, uh, you know, say, oh, okay, I'll take the advice and, and give it a shot, and uh, went to Clover Park Vocational Technical Institute uh, and took a radio class while I was still in high school uh, to broadcast play-by-play at the uh, the local high schools there um, and, and try to boil down a long story, um, use those tapes to uh, introduce myself to uh, KSTW and Rod Simons uh, down in Tacoma, uh, rest in peace, uh, Rod, and uh, he took me in, and I started doing TV uh, stuff in high school uh, as an intern uh, and going out and you know, covering the Sonics and the Seahawks and that kind of thing while I was still in high school and, and use that video and that audio to um, uh, get the attention of some people at Washington State University, and that's what led me there and you know, continued on through through college and, and radio and, and, uh, and television and Thought I was going to dive into sports and, and, and sports television uh, in Boise, Idaho. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, somebody called me up when I was uh, about to, to leave for that uh, internship and, and said, hey, how would you like to do news? Um, there just happened to be a, a flood while I was in college uh, where they were able to get some tape uh, in the Moscow pulmonary and sent that off to a couple of people. And um Lo and behold, it made an impression, and I ended up uh, in Idaho Falls, Idaho, and uh, didn't think I'd be 
uh, here more than 20 years later, still uh, covering news and yeah, sports, but, right. but here I am. Yeah. And, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting how that all uh, came about, but that's uh, that's what's set me on my path. Neat background, Chris. I don't think uh, a lot of people knew, including myself, that you started as a journalist while in high school. Really cool. Well, Chris, we're going to cram yeah. some stuff in here. We don't have a lot of time. And I want to ask you right now about the, the media climate going on right now. We have a a president who refers to the media as the enemy of the people. I just saw a poll today that 43% of all Republicans believe that Trump should be able to shut down news outlets. Chris, you're, you're a working, practicing journalist in a, in a large market. Are you alarmed at all by these threats to journalists and a free press? Uh, I, I think it's concerning uh, that, uh, you know, that, that, that the press has been labeled the enemy, um, you know, and, and I know that, that not everybody feels that way, and, and I also know, and uh, you know, I'm happy to report that the uh, there is a difference uh, between national news coverage and local news coverage in, in terms of uh, perceptions and, and polling, and, and local news is still widely respected uh, based on, on polling uh, data that, that people still have. Uh, a lot of belief in local media versus uh, national uh, coverage. Uh, there is a, a huge divide there on um, some of the data that I've seen. So I, I, I take that to heart that, that people still um, have faith and, and belief in in the Seattle Times and King Five and my colleagues in, in radio and uh, independent journalists. I think uh, on a local level, we do a lot of things. Um, that uh, are done right and done well and uh, void of personal opinion and uh, you know what journalism was founded on and i i, I you know i i believe that uh, there are a lot of people doing good work on a, on a local level and, and it's different than, than what you've seen you know and, and frankly uh, on the cable outlets the 24 7 cable outlets i think that's where a lot of the distrust comes from whether it be uh fox msnbc or cnn i think you know, that's why there's been some confidence eroded. But I think on the local level that uh, people still have a lot of confidence in in, in, in television news and, and uh, online. Chris, your distinctions are interesting in perceptions between local and national news coverage. I, I, that's interesting, interesting points you brought up. This is Paul Schneiderman of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with award-winning Seattle 5, King 5 reporter Chris Daniels. Chris, I want to hit for the most of the rest of this interview now on the arena issue. And you followed... The Sonics relocation, you covered it. I got to know you back in those 2007, 2008 days. And you had yeah. a very interesting exchange with the former commissioner of the NBA, David Stern. Your exchange with Stern was featured in the Sonic Skate documentary. You challenged Stern at a New York City press conference on the key arena plan, whether Stern was aware of all the emails between the Oklahoma ownership group, which highly suggested they never wanted to keep the Sonics in Seattle. Stern gave you, I should say, Chris, a very non-friendly, non-answer. Was this exchange with Stern, Chris, among the most interesting exchanges you've had in your years as a broadcast journalist? Would, that, would you put that up there, number one or two? Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I think that uh, the fact that we're still talking about it now um, uh, puts it up there, and it's memorable for a lot of different reasons. One, I, you know, I, I, I didn't... I didn't know that that was broadcast live to every radio and TV <laughs> outlet in Seattle. I mean, we were in the basement of the St. Regis Hotel, and you know, that's before Twitter and Facebook exploded, and right. uh, before instant messaging exploded. I mean, I, I was really in a, in a hole at that point, uh, 
from the rest of the world and, and had no idea and, and no pretense to go in there and have that kind of confrontation. I mean, if you go back and, and watch the video from, from 2008, I, I thought those questions were, were pretty non-confrontational. I would agree. Basic. Um, and uh, he, he didn't want to talk about that at that point in time. It was supposed to be a celebration of Oklahoma City, so... I think that's why it went the way it did. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I still, to this day, uh, have people that want to talk to me about that uh, press conference. And oh, yeah. still bring up the fact that I, I stood up for Seattle. Um, it, it's uh, it, and it, it definitely kind of changed the course uh, on the arena story, and, and I think uh, there's uh, that's one of the reasons why so many people have followed me over the years on that story is that press conference back in, in 2008. Huh. No, no, I thought your I'm questions, five, 10 years. I thought your questions, Chris, were totally legitimate. And I thought Stern's response, kind of the snarky response was sort of indicative of the whole issue. And uh, I know we've talked about it briefly a little bit off the air, but I, I appreciate your elaboration on, on that interesting exchange you had with Dave Stern. This is Paul Schneiderman, host of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with Chris Daniels of Seattle's King 5 TV. All right, Chris, we're not going to be able to get everything on the arena today, but a lot has happened since the Sonics left in 2008. As you and I know, and we all know, Chris Hansen's group have been trying to build a Sodor arena since about 2012. In 2016, Chris, the city council in a 5-4 to four vote denied Chris Hansen's group a street vacation. In the aftermath of the vote, there were some who expressed sexist and misogynistic comments to the five Seattle City female council members who voted no on the street vacation vote in a five-to-four vote. Chris, what, give me your take on this. And obviously the sexist and misogynistic comments were, were reprehensible. But do you think the media and the five city council members kind of blew that whole situation out of proportion, the alleged sexism? I mean, just, geez, just because a couple jerks expressed those comments – it seemed like it was almost to make all sports fans feel guilty. Give me your take on, on the, how the media covered that and the city council's reaction. Wow. Um, I would say out of the gate, I don't think, uh, I do not think uh, that that was overblown. Um, I, I think that uh, there were legitimate concerns from the council members about uh, how, that the reaction um, that I think nobody saw coming mm-hmm. uh, on social media and, and email. Uh, I, I think at the time, uh, you know, I, I, I was not surprised that, that the story took another uh, surprise twist uh, that day when it went uh, down 5-4, when the street vacation went down 5-4. The fact that it came down to Lorena Gonzalez, who at that time was you know, pretty new to the council and, and it, by all indications changed her vote at the last minute. I mean, that, that's just part for the course with this story. But the, the backlash, I don't think... Uh, anybody saw it coming and you know my thought in those 72 hours especially after the vote was the city's never going to build an arena Um, chris you would agree though chris Chris, you would agree though that sports fans shouldn't feel collective guilt because of the reprehensible behavior of a very small minority though that sports fans should yeah, feel yeah. guilt. It seemed like it seemed like it, when that story came out, Chris, the, that a lot of sports fans were lumped in with that very fringe minority that made sexist and misogynistic comments. Maybe maybe I'm off base and perceiving it that way, but it just seemed that um, the situation was getting almost leverage based on that to some extent. But I guess maybe you saw it a little differently and you covered it. So, 
Yeah, I I mean, I, I saw it a little bit differently. I, I, I mean, there was so much buildup to that vote, um, and there was the eruption of uh, emotion after. Yeah. Um, that, uh, you know, fairly or unfairly uh, kind of colored the the sports fan and the, and the people that had uh, so so wanted that street vacation vote. Um, you know, I, I like I said, I, I was surprised at uh, the backlash to the council members, and uh, I was also surprised that, you know, within, what, six, six to nine months, there was talk again about an arena. Right. Uh, I, I really thought that that was that was the nail in the coffin for any sort of new facility in Seattle at that point. Just just based on the backlash and uh, knowing Seattle politics. Um, so I'm surprised that uh, to a certain extent that that here we are uh, in 2018 talking about a, a 700 million dollar building that looks like it's going to be approved. Well, you get you gave some interesting perspectives there, Chris, and and I. Uh... It certainly made, I think, me and some listeners think as well that 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 reaction could have completely put the arena, I guess, into the coffin completely. So that's an interesting reaction. Well, Chris, we have a proposal by OVG. The city councils proposed that the that that are supporting, I should say, that the Wiki Brothers are part of, and the NHL has accepted a formal uh, expansion application. Chris, to sum up the key arena proposal, um, give me an answer to this question. Would you agree it's likely really good news for NHL fans in Seattle who want an NHL team? But it, it's a little unclear if the key, key arena remodel plan is such great news for people who want an NBA team in Seattle. Is that a bad way of summing up? Good for the NHL, maybe not as good for the, for the I, NBA? I, yeah, I, I mean, I would say pretty close to that. I mean, I, I, the, the fact that NHL fans are, are going to be likely rewarded more immediately than uh, NBA fans, yes. Uh, uh, that's that's completely accurate. Uh, we're looking at a vote in, in September. September 17th is uh, what's been targeted for a final vote from the council on transaction documents, uh, and, and then potentially the NHL awarding a franchise within a couple of weeks uh, after that, in, in late September, or early October. So, uh, the the NHL will um, will satisfy the hunger probably for for hockey fans sooner than uh, the NBA. And, and, you know, I, I still think and I, I, I keep believing that we're at least a few years away uh, from the NBA thinking about uh, expansion or relocation. So, yeah, I mean, for, for people who are dying for the Sonics to return, um, you know, it, it could be a while. And, and yeah, it's, it's completely murky on how this is all going to play out with the, uh, with the NBA here in the future in Seattle. Chris, unless you can extend it out a few more minutes, we got about five minutes left right now. Paul Schneiderman, sports and stuff on Rainier Avenue. We're good. Radio with... We're good. Oh, we're yeah. good. We got a few more minutes then. Yeah. Good. Okay, so we can we can uh, push this out maybe to about twelve, uh, maybe about uh, for a twenty-seven minute show. Good to hear, Chris. Um, you did a story. Or the Seattle Times did a story several weeks ago about a possible EIS challenge to Key Arena. Um, apparently there were some nearby homeowners or partner owners in Lower Queen Anne that were considering some litigation. Well, any new uh, reporting on that, Chris? Is there going to be any suits or anything involving a possible uh, key arena uh, challenge? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I, I think that um, you know we are uh, waiting for the EIS to come back, uh, the final EIS. That looks right now like it's targeted for August 30th. Um, by the end of uh, this month, 
and and that's when I think this question will pop up again. Uh, but but right now that all looks to be on on target on schedule. And um, you know if there is a legal challenge that could potentially throw a wrench in, in this whole timeline with the September vote. But sure. um, you know at, at this point I. I, I I'm not hearing anything. I'm not seeing anything, but that is subject to change. Yeah, that that's that that when I saw that story break, Chris, I was saying, "Oh my gosh, we're going to get another challenge and go on for several more years." But it seems like based you on know, the your- thing, I would point out. Yeah, I mean, the thing I would point out is I, I know that there uh, was some focus on Jack McCullough, um, who is the attorney uh, or his law firm, I should say, is representing. Uh, the the apartment owners. He also his law firm represented Chris Hansen back in the day. So there there has been insinuation in some parts that the the that that somehow all interconnected. I should point out that Jack Piccolo's law firm is also involved in the current conversation about saving the showbox. He represents the the company that wants to build in the showbox spot. The the point being, his law firm is is the big land use law firm in Seattle. They're, they're involved with a lot of things. He's been involved with a lot of projects in the past. And, and it just, uh, uh, coincidence is not the right word, but, uh, it doesn't appear that there's any sort of connection at all with, um, the, the Soto project and Chris Hansen. This is a matter of, of the big, the big real estate company, the big law firm, uh, that, that handles land use, I should say, uh, representing multiple people here in town. Yeah, I know Jack McCullough, terrific attorney, and I, I know his firm got linked to that story. That somehow or another there was, a, a, I don't know, some opposition maybe coming from linked to his firm to the Key Arena plan. But uh, we'll have to see what happens there. So, Chris, um, there, there's some questions coming up if the Key Arena revenue stream could work for an NBA franchise in Seattle. Any thoughts on that, Chris? You know, I, I think the door is is still open on that, um, and, and I, I know that that there has been some thought that a second building um, that is an MBA only building uh, could work in Seattle, and I've heard those arguments, and, and I think there's some legitimacy to that uh, argument. But at the same time, uh, the fact that David Bonderman is involved in this project um, and is going to be the lead investor in the NHL franchise uh, that would play at the new building at Seattle Center, and the fact that he is already a minority owner of the NBA. I, I think, you know, I, I'm no expert in all the math, but uh, if he is uh, bringing an NBA team to play in that building at some point in time, it perhaps it pencils out better for him individually uh, or his investment group uh, than than previously thought. But again. I haven't crunched all the numbers. I haven't done all the math, but I've, I've heard the arguments on both sides. And um, you know, Bonderman's involved uh, as a potential NBA owner. Maybe it changes the conversation. You know, one thing I heard Chris on that subject of whether the revenue streams could justify an NBA team being in Seattle. I think this point came from from one of the wikis the other day, which is an interesting point. Is that well, they may not have to pay the eight hundred million or so for the building, so maybe that could help cancel cancel out some other expenses. Um, Chris, yeah, I, I I wonder what the, the huge the huge uh, amount of money that's being put up front, what the what the uh, the business model looks like uh, down the road in terms of the return on the investment. Because uh, 
Vonderman, Bruckheimer, OBG, there's, uh, you know, Madison Square Garden Group. There, there's a lot of money up front to make this happen. Right. Paul Schneiderman of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with uh, my special guest, Chris Daniels, King 5 reporter. we got about uh, seven minutes left now. Thanks for staying a little longer, Chris. Um, yeah. Mayor Durkin, you, this is sort of – you brought this up, I think, a little indirectly, Chris, a minute ago. And Mayor Durkin has not completely ruled out the idea of the Soto Arena being revived. Uh, what Do you see – I mean, you, you, you sort of mentioned a minute ago, but do, do you see any chance of the Soto Street Vacation being revived at all down the road? It, uh, not immediately. I, I know that uh, the group has been still working on the Street Vacation application. Jack Nicola's law firm has been working on the Street Vacation uh, application. Uh, I, I just wonder... I just wonder if the council has an appetite to hear that at this point um, uh, after now discussing Seattle Center for so long and, and getting done with that. I, I have maintained all along that really having a team in hand changes the conversation. I, I think it's changed the conversation with Oakview, uh, the fact that they're able to say we have an investor and we have interest from the National Hockey League, and the National Hockey League confirms that. Um, I, I think that you know, pushes the puck forward, to use the analogy, the hockey analogy, uh, over at Seattle Center, uh, because there there is some emphasis from that league to, to put a team here by 2020. That helps uh, the, the city move forward and, and not uh, play the slow game on any sort of arena project. If, if there was an NBA team that said, uh, you know, hey, in, in two or three years we'd like to relocate to Seattle, kind of like uh, Las Vegas and the Raiders, you know, that would change the street vacation application. Um, but, uh, you know, going to the city again without a team in hand, I, I don't know how the council would take that up. Chris, you brought up some good points. And I, I think right now the OVG plan is less theoretical, the fact that the NHL is formally accepting expansion application commitment. So I, I think your point is is a good one there. Whether it's fair or unfair, I, I don't think Chris Hansen's gotten the same commitment from the NBA or NHL that OVG's gotten. Chris, uh, real quickly, I want to hit a couple more subjects. We've got about five minutes left. Uh, mention a couple of your broadcasting mentors. I mean, there's a late Walter Cronkite, Edward R. Murrow, Tom Brokaw, anybody local. Can you mention one or two broadcasters that you've always uh, looked up to a lot? Who have I looked up to a lot? Um, you know, I, I, I've always appreciated people who uh, have a variety of work who have been able to cover news and sports uh, you know, Brian Gumbel is one name that comes to mind who's been very successful uh, with real sports uh, with Brian Gumbel. Uh, I've always appreciated journalists who uh, have have covered the sporting realm um, uh, and been able to do that, whether it be at uh, 60 Minutes. Uh, I'm thinking of Armin Katay and, uh, and others who uh, have, have delved in. I, I love long-form storytelling. I, I love Sports storytelling with uh, journalistic background, um, and I've always appreciated that. I, I know how hard people work and how long it takes sometimes to get a project uh, on a page or in a newspaper or, or on television, and, and and some of that long form work, uh, you know. And I, I just think of Thirty for Thirty, uh, Real Sports, uh, E60, those kind of shows. Um, I, I've always, I've always liked, um, and, and going further back in time, I mean, Rod Simons was a, 
a mentor for me uh, at KSCW, and he recently uh, passed away. Very sad. Um, and uh, a really good guy who, who made his mark here in Seattle and again made his mark in, in Minneapolis on, on a local uh, television level. And I've been, you know, I, I've been fortunate to work at King with uh, a lot of uh, a lot of good people. I mean, this uh, we have had uh, some of the best journalists in the country uh, here at, at King Five, and you know, Dennis Bounds, Jean Anderson. Jean was the first woman to ever anchor a newscast in America. Oh yeah, and I think people forget that. Um, you know, I, I work alongside to this day people like Lynn Farley and Alyssa Hahn, who are great journalists in their own right. I think TV. Journalism is uh, is not given the same respect sometimes as print journalism, but you know I think of Susanna Frame and Chris Engels back in our investigators unit uh, who do work that has been given essentially the Pulitzer equivalent in television. I mean, winning national awards uh, left and right, they've done it for years. So um, you know I, I've been fortunate on a local level to work with a, a lot of talented people as well, and and, and that's not even speaking to the. The, the photojournalists uh, that we have here at King who have won national awards as well. So, uh, you know, it is, it's been a pleasure to work so long, uh, 18 years now total uh, in, in Seattle, but, uh, you know, also to kind of follow in the footsteps of some of the people that I admire. We brought up some great names, Chris. Real quickly, um, we got like maybe a minute, minute and a half left. Um, Give me a quick answer on this, and my and my next question for you is: What does the future hold for Chris Daniels? But I want you to answer this question first. Did you see this resistance starting to build the Mariners' request for funding? Do you see any problems in the the effort to to make sure the Mariners stay in Seattle? Uh, I, I don't see a problem right now with the Mariners staying in Seattle, but uh, I, I don't think uh, the executive's office uh, or um, the Mariners really forecast the pushback and, and there is pushback now and the fact that um cole wells has now taken her name off the legislation i think it's not a sign uh for the mariners and uh it, it'll be interesting to see how this now plays out um i, I think they they tried to drop the hammer in advance of that king county council meeting by saying you know if if they don't get the money they're just going to sign a five-year lease extension uh, that was their way of you know, trying to drop the hammer, and, and that didn't go over well. And Chris, we got about 30 seconds. Comment, we got about 30 yeah, seconds. Yeah, most of the public comment was against it. Yeah, go ahead. No, we got about 30 seconds. I'll get you back one day. I'll ask you some more questions about all these subjects. What does the future hold for Chris Daniels? I'm still here at King 5, and you're going to see me uh, hopefully uh, finishing the arena story. And we have the election. We have the viaduct. There's a lot of uh, big things coming up here in Seattle, and we'll be, uh, I'll be on top of it, I guess. Chris, thanks for coming on. You and I will be in touch. Thanks, man.